0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA Podcast, episode number 116. It's Friday, July 9th, 2021. Dominic, just take it mm. all in. Mm. Two more sleeps when mm. you're watching this. Three more sleeps for us as we're recording.
1: When you're watching this, only one more sleep. No. No. They're going to watch it on Friday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Never mind.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, I'm, I'm way off there. Whatever. There's you so guys much get going to, on this you week. Guys get the, you guys get the gist. Anyways, this is uh, the MMA weekend preview show, but what else is there besides UFC 264, the trilogy fight between Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier is happening Saturday night, along with a just – Package plethora of of great fights (laughs) that we're going to break down and discuss for you all on this episode. So buckle in, everybody. It's been a while since we've had one of these. That means we've got a lot to talk about, a lot Mm -hmm. to catch up on from the last week and a half or so of MMA news and obviously UFC 264. So I think there's no better way to just get it started here than with our fight announcements, Dom. We got a we lot. We start with a uh, – yeah, Here well. we go. We've been waiting to talk <laughs> about this one. Yeah, so well, obviously we're a little late to the party on this one, but that's what happens sometimes. August 7th, UFC 265 gets its headliner, but it's not – not no Francis Ngannou to be found. It's an interim heavyweight title fight between Derek Lewis and surreal gone Whew. Dominic. Francis Ngannou won the undisputed title in March, and now in August we're going to have an interim champion. Even though Ngannou agreed to fight in September, he signed to fight in September. Apparently, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts here? Um, What what's going on, and why is everybody so angry about this? We couldn't
1: wait thirty days. Come on, Uncle Dana. Um, You know, clearly the August card was looking for a. Good fight to cap it off. I mean, honestly, the card is pretty solid, but the main event was lacking. It was Amanda Nunes and Juliana Pena. Everybody loves Amanda Nunes. She is a star, but does not have the star power to carry pay-per-view buys. So we bring the king of Houston to his hometown, Derek Lewis, put an interim title on the line against the undefeated Cyril Gon, and here we go, UFC 265. Uh, If you strip it away and just – Talk about the fight itself. Very intriguing. Great stylistic fight. Lewis and gone. But you put the belt on the line. Pisses a lot of people off. <laughs> uh, I said it on Wednesday on the Reddit roundtable. If you haven't listened, go listen. And I'm going to say it again now. This is one of the most unexpected. And it feels as one of the most unnecessary interim titles that have ever been created. Again, you said Ngannou just won the belt at the end of March. Not even the beginning. It was the end of March. We are almost in April. <laughs> And the poor guy can't even get a few months off to visit his home country, celebrate, and then he wanted to fight in September, which is literally just a month later. It's it's tough scenes out here for the MMA community right now.
0: Yeah, the fight itself was fun. I mean, Derek yeah. Lewis and Surreal Gan, both guys are deserving of a title shot. You know, I Surreal Gan just fought.
1: And yeah, we, we talked, talked about a, how good we that We talked
0: was. about how I predicted he was going to be next. Yeah. I said, after Lewis and gahn run running back, Gon is going to fight the winner. And because everybody expects John Jones to step in there. But look, now after this announcement, nobody's talking about John Jones anymore. No. John Jones is, he's 2022 business at this point. (laughs) Yeah. He said this much. Lewis and Gon's a fun fight. It is. It's it's interesting because we know that technically speaking, Gon runs laps around Lewis. But Lewis just has that one punch power that Gon does not quite have. And he's just so unpredictable. I mean, the guy gets put on the ground, and he goes, "I'm gonna stand up,"
1: and he stands up.
0: Yeah,
1: it's just, quite crazy. Yeah,
0: it's. I mean, it's it one worked. of
1: the better things to see in all of MMA. Yeah, he's but. one
0: of, If 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 Ngannou wasn't in the UFC, wasn't a MMA fighter, we'd be talking in some ways about Derek Lewis, like we do Ingunu. He might not be as physically ripped and imposing, but the one punch power is not that much different. If you go from Nganu to Lewis, it's still quite a threat. Yeah. So it's an interesting fight for that reason because Gon does not really possess that kind of power. So he's going to definitely try to break down Lewis over the course uh-huh. of the fight. Um, not that he can't finish it. Lewis has been finished before by JDS. And The
1: 25 like, minutes will definitely favor Gone. We've seen him go two agreed. fights in a row now, 25 minutes, and look fine. So.
0: Agreed. And I understand. Like, I'm not stupid. We're not stupid. We know why this is being made yeah. an interim title fight. It's because... And I, mean, I don't even want to say it's Amanda Nunez. It's more that just Nunez is all these fights where she's headlined, they don't do well. They're actually yeah. some of the weakest performing cards in history, at Which least Which is unfortunate. Most. But it's not really because of her. I think a lot of times it's just the, nobody buys that the opponents stand the chance. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, and plus, like Nunez isn't quite a Mike Tyson where you go and watch to see how long an opponent can last. Because you know, you look at Felicia Spencer went five rounds with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jermaine Durandamy went five rounds with her. You know, sure, does she have the highlight reel like the leg kick knockout of or the head kick against Holly Holm? Yep, there's uh, what she did to uh, Megan Anderson. Uh, yeah, just Megan recently. Anderson was complete. Like it was awesome, but I'm just saying that like she doesn't quite. She's not someone that always is going to finish a fight in five minutes or less. It's just yeah. the way it is. So a lot of people aren't really buying Juliana Pena. I liked what Pena did to kind of hype up that fight in the beginning, but then it's just been silent ever since. Yeah, so and, it's, it's just, and it's
1: still the GOAT at the end of the day. So I Nunez. guess
0: they want a, a, a more firm headliner, something to boost it up a little bit. And it's just unfortunate to me that you go with interim heavyweight title because even though the UFC doesn't look at it like it's a big deal, the problem is you're upsetting your champion Francis Ngannou, who just won the belt in March, and
1: who could become one of your biggest stars.
0: Yeah, by the way. and and I'm not saying they should have just waited a month. I get it. This card is what we're talking about, but there's other divisions where you know you got Aljamain Sterling at bantamweight, who we're not entirely sure when he's coming back. Yeah, why not put an interim bantamweight title fight? Why does it have to be the heavyweight title? I get it, Gion right. and Lewis both deserving and I'm happy that they are at least getting a chance. Like if it's anybody that's going to get it, I'm glad these two guys are in their positions that they're yeah. in. But what well, there's a lot of divisions that could have been put here before heavyweight cuz it was just defended. Right. And and who didn't suffer any major injuries. He was ready to go in September. To me it's just clear that the UFC made a bit of a short-sighted decision, a short-term decision, but they without really taking into account potential long-term ramifications. Right. You saw the back and forth between Dana White and Francis Ngannou's manager. That's not good, man. When a guy like Ngannou, who's the star that he is, that's he's becoming, yeah. you don't want to get into these like negative publicity, you know, stunts or whatever you want to call them. This neck you know the stuff that you see on social media. You don't want to see these negative spats between promoter and fighter. It, it doesn't. It doesn't help the UFC for this to be happening. So, right. Um Yeah. I'm, it's, it's just a. It doesn't feel right. This is definitely probably the most egregious case I can remember for an no, interim sure. title being put into place. If you, I mean, maybe like when Colby Covington fought Dos Anjos and then Woodley fought Till like two months later. Yeah. That one was pretty bad, but. I mean, it, it just, I don't know, man. I, I'm not happy that this is happening, but at the same time, for all we know, this fight's going to be amazing. Just like I talked about on Wednesday, how, you know, interim title's the reason why we got five rounds of Adesanya Gastelum back. Yep, very it's true. It's one of my favorite fights of all time. So when you put it like that, I mean, this fight gets five rounds because it's fourth title now and it's going to be in a main event spot. For all we know, this fight's going to be amazing, and then it's like, well... Dana can say, "I told you so." I told you. I put a you know. You guys complained about the right. title. Imagine if it was only three rounds.
1: Yeah, and then they'll market the crap out of the unification <laughs> fight. So
0: yeah, and I and I, I I can't blame them for that. I mean, hopefully whoever wins this matchup doesn't, does it
1: very convincingly.
0: I, I mean, okay, I like both guys. I don't necessarily want to see anybody get like sparked here. I'm just saying that uh, whoever wins, I just don't want to see the winner have any. Long inj- long-term long injuries mm-hmm. that hold them out. I want to see, by the end of the year, one heavyweight champion. Yeah. You know, just unification bout by the end of the year would be great or beginning next year. That would be year. ideal. And then we can start looking towards people like, I don't know, A or John Jones or whoever Yeah, um, is out there. So, yeah. Any other final thoughts on that one that's happening August 7th? Yeah, we'll, we'll be talking about today. it in a couple weeks. So, yeah. <laughs> So moving on from there, at the end of August, this one sucks. We had a potential title eliminator for the men's flyweight title. Askar Askarov, the guy that we thought yeah. was getting the title shot, he's out being replaced by Matt Schnell versus Alex Perez. Alex Perez fought for the flyweight title back at UFC 255 in a losing effort to Davis and Figueredo. Uh The Schnell-Perez fight's fine. You know It is... You know, it's. I'm glad that they got him a a good level replacement, a top ten flyweight. Sucks so much for Ascar. It's just for Askarov, man, a guy who I thought had already earned a title shot. Yeah, and then I agree. he's kind of being forced to fight again, and now he's kind of losing his spot, like because he got injured, or I'm assuming that's what happened here. He's losing his spot in line, essentially. He has to now. If Perez wins, he's probably going to be staking his claim that no, I'm the number one contender now.
1: Yeah. Do you nope. think this would potentially lead to a possible trilogy bout between Figueroa and Moreno now since Askar's out and maybe they don't want to justify Perez just coming off? He just lost. Maybe he does beat Schnell, but is that enough to get another title fight? If Schnell wins, is that enough for him to get a title fight? Or do you think I, that with Askar going down, we might get a trilogy now or it helps Figueredo's case for a trilogy?
0: I would say I don't think it changes the odds of that happening, I think, if that's the U- the direction the UFC want to go, then they're just as sold on going there. Yeah. Regardless, I think one of the reasons why Askarov was being put in this fight with Perez is probably Askarov's team probably didn't get a whole lot of uh, good feelings about the UFC's interest in a title fight for yeah. Askarov. Um, and I'm not sure if that's because Moreno and Figueroa are going to do it a third time, or maybe Cody Garbrandt's going to mm-hmm. go down and try to fight Moreno. Um, either one of those, I mean, I'd be fine with, I really don't think a trilogy bout for Figueredo is the best decision right now. I think yeah. that, um, when you had Askarov waiting, now he's hurt. Cody Garbrandt, even I'd be fine with it's former weight champion. You know, it's, it would be fun. Um, even if I don't really care for when people jump right the lines and divisions, but it would be regardless. a big title fight though. Yeah, and it'd be if Moreno wins, that'd be a huge win for him. But if yeah. Cody wins, then that's getting him right back on track and already a champion again. And then mm-hmm. he could fight a guy like Figueredo, and that would be a really fun fight. Yeah. To stay on track with this one, though, Schnell versus Perez is fine. Uh, I really don't have too many thoughts on it. I mean, Schnell's a good fighter. I didn't mistakenly. Um, back in the day, the, this is the biggest thing I remember about Matt Schnell is I thought his name was Max Schnell, yes, which is the name of a character from the movie Cars. So when I looked up Max Schnell on Google to find There's out to find, his, to find his topology page, I just saw a picture of a character from Cars. So then You're I, you like, dude, the disrespect. So I, on podcast, you guys can find this episode; it's in there. Um, I start freaking out. About how Google yeah. did my boy Max Schnell like that, oh, and then Dom calls me out in the middle of the episode. I tried and, to be uh, as polite as possible. No, it was no, it was, I, I I was rant, I mean, I was ranting for minutes, and then Dom's yeah. like, uh, "Did you mean Matt Schnell?" <laughs> um, so oh, yeah, that's yeah. the that's the biggest thing I remember about that guy. But also, he's a good fighter. Alex is, Perez so. looking to get back on track, and you know, the UFC pushed Perez into a title fight.
1: Yeah, you contender know. series
0: guy. Yeah. So who's to say they won't do it again? Mm-hmm. Um, also on August 28th, we got three. for. Yeah, I think it's 28th. three. It's a good card. Um, Sean Brady versus Kevin Lee rebooked yes. for that card. Glad to see that that fight is rebooked. It's a and great fight. These guys are probably going to get – I don't know if I want to say more shine because, let's be honest, the lowest of the low prelims on a Conor McGregor card are probably going to get more shine than even a main event. On, on a fight, a fight night. night yeah just the way it rolls but these guys get a higher placement um yeah more, they'll be
1: higher on the card for yeah sure.
0: that's that's more i guess what i'm trying to refer to i don't know how much that matters but still a big opportunity sean brady to get the biggest win of his career for kevin lee it's kind of the same story we've heard multiple times with him you know is he back is he, mm-hmm. he 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 said this a lot where it's like he he has a tough loss he comes back he's like i've Never felt better in my life. Right. And then he'll lose again and then come back and say the same thing. It's kind of like what we're gonna talk about with another individual in the main event of yeah. Saturday's card, <laughs> where it's like, are you really back? Are you really back? It's kind of like when Daniel Cormier used to say about John Jones. Yeah. Is he really back? <laughs> yeah. And Sean um,
1: Brady, a tough test, by the way. Oh, too, I mean, that's a so.
0: that's a tough opponent. When oh Kevin Lee's Owen one as a welterweight against Rafael dos Anjos, who was another Undersized welterweight. Sean
1: Brady is a welterweight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: for sure. But I'm still excited for the fight.
1: Yeah, can't wait.
0: But the big one is a main event, right? This is the main event for August 28th. Five rounds of some beautiful striking, some brutal striking. Mm -hmm. Edson Barboza and Gia Chikadze, two guys that we've been saying need a big opportunity. They just I said well, they can fight bite each other. <laughs> two of the
1: best kickers in all the UFC going mm-hmm. up against one another. Striking's going to be incredible. Does that go five rounds? Because I have a hard time believing it will. That's the MMA community went nuts when this fight got announced, and I don't blame them. I love this fight so much.
0: Yeah, I'm loving to see the respect these two are getting from mm-hmm. the MMA community. Um, even if hardcore, or, excuse me, casual fans might not be super aware of these two. I'm sure Barboza's, you know. He's been around long enough and has been prevalent enough that you should know who he is. But if you just remember this guy from getting mauled by Habib or getting knocked out by oh, Gaethje, he, just look looks again. Like, he looks like a brand-new beast at 145 yep. pounds, a move that none of us thought was going to go well, and it's completely turned his career around. We thought he was about done.
1: Well, every time and, he steps on the scale now, I get nervous. But then he gives him the octagon the next day; it looks amazing. So
0: technically, he's only two and one at featherweight; should be three. No, that yeah. fight with Dan Ige, and you look at what Dan Ige kind of gone on to do. So, in retrospect, very impressive that that fight was as close as it was. Yeah. Barbosa, I thought won that fight. I agree. Judges didn't agree. That's fine. Two and one, but. That shows how competitive Barboza is as a featherweight, how good he really is. He's ranked like ninth or 10th right now. Yeah,
1: this is a top 10 fight here.
0: Um, so if he would have beat on the scorecards, if scorecards would have shown him a win for Ige, he could be already knocking on the door for a title shot. It's I mean, just, he could have been
1: the guy just fighting zombie,
0: you know? Yeah, that's how the timing kind of goes. You know, it's just – it's you win some, you lose some, and you leave it in the hands of the judges. But for Chikadze, this is a big – This is uh, his
1: big shot right now. I here. mean,
0: Cub Swanson – has years of experience, mm-hmm. very experienced guy,
1: just like Barboza.
0: So in that way, you're getting that experience, So you're still having to test yourself with a guy with a high fight IQ. But Barboza has skill, a skill set that that hasn't really weathered down like Cub's has. Cub's still great, but you know he's not the fighter he was three, four, or five years ago.
1: Yeah,
0: Edson Barboza might be better. Even though age-wise would tell you not, the guy at featherweight is just a completely – I mean, the fight he
1: just had with Burgos, I mean, it's unbelievable there. And And then to get the knockout, yeah.
0: So this fight's fantastic. It's going to be a big chess match, I think. But we know how explosive Barbosa is, and I have a hard time seeing him just sit and wait. I think he's going to want to get in there and uh, look to make a statement. Mm And we'll see how Chikadze responds if that does happen. Right? Yeah,
1: man. I mean, all three of those fights we just talked about on the same card, that's that's an awesome fight night.
0: <laughs> yep. Following that a week later on September 4th, this is another one I didn't see coming. <laughs> Alexander Gustafson making his his return. He's a light heavyweight. <laughs> and he's going up against Paul Craig. The Bear Jew. <laughs> the Bear Jew. And, you know, this, this fight was unexpected. I don't dislike it. I like the fight. Um, I like it more for Paul Craig than I do for Gustafson. I agree, and I and I can get into why. But what are your initial thoughts on this fight?
1: I mean, you've got a very well-rounded striker, and Gus coming back against the submission specialist that is Paul Craig. We saw what he just did to Jamal Hill. I mean, that was just nasty. I don't know if I like the idea of Gus just coming back and forth. I mean, you got I don't know, be in or be out. And this is not the guy you want to come mm-hmm. back to when you're still on the fence about returning. Paul Craig is an absolute savage. I'm not big on the matchup for Gus, but I am happy to see him back at the same time. I don't
0: know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I honestly...
1: Heavyweight I thought, wasn't meant to be, I'll i put it that well, way.
0: <laughs> okay, we say that in retrospect, but we both thought it was a good move for him right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess you got to look at what else can Gus prove at light heavyweight. It's going to be hard for him to try and get back to a title, so in that sense, it did make sense to move to heavyweight until you saw the performance.
0: True, but I mean, he really didn't have much of a chance against Verdum to show anything. He kind of just got taken to the ground or kind of slipped to the ground, and then once Verdum got him there, he just submitted him real quickly and it was done, which I get Leads to saying, "Well, that was a poor performance." But I mean, if literally if that fight stays on the feet, like if he doesn't slip and get tripped up, who knows? Maybe he knocks out Verdum in the next thirty seconds. I mean, it's me. Like it left a lot unanswered about Gus as a heavyweight. Yeah, I thought he looked good. Thought he looked good going into the cage, and Verdum is just so specialized. And that's really going to be my complaint with this fight. For For him, when you have a guy that's so specialized in a certain area, like if you just if the fight somehow gets to that area, it's almost impossible to find a way out, and that's what happened with Verdum. He was able to slip that armbar on, and Gus just couldn't do anything about it. Had to tap. Uh, That's the way it goes. And here with Paul Craig, you're going up against another submission specialist. Moving back down to light heavyweight, which I guess. Makes sense to move back down. I don't know. I thought he could have continued at heavyweight. I don't see what the point was to go there if you're not gonna stay there. Um maybe now that light heavyweight feels like a division kind of up for grabs since John Jones left, you know, because I'm pretty sure at the time when when he fought for Doom, I don't think John had even announced he was moving to heavyweight yet. I don't think so. So, so I think uh now that John's moving up, I think Gus is like, what? I can't get away from this guy. Back down I go. And, uh, you know, I think uh, if he could win this, that'd be huge. But it's an uphill battle to ask of him when he's fought maybe once a year for the last two or three years and has came on the losing end on multiple. Well, I think he's lost three straight. He yeah. lost to John Jones. Then he lost to Anthony Smith retired and came back, and I thought lost to Verdum, if I remember right. I believe so. so um, just doesn't look quite the same as when he was in his prime, but that doesn't mean that he can't knock off a couple big wins, I think.
1: And truthfully, Paul Craig is just one of the like hardest matchups for anyone at light heavyweight, in my opinion, too. he guy got
0: straight surging right now. I mean, coming yeah. off that win over Jamal Hill, that win was spectacular. Yeah, snapped the man's arm, but even though apparently he didn't break it, I don't know how that happens. That man's arm was flapping in the wind. I don't know. Oh, what I, I, we had a fit with
1: that one. That
0: was disgusting. I, I, I still don't understand scientifically how that man's arm was not broken, <laughs> but regardless, uh, Craig looks spectacular right now. He, he he over after originally having a draw with Shogun Hua comes back and beats him down in the second fight. Um, it's a tall task for Gus, but. Um, For Craig, it's a big name. Um, If he couldn't get anybody in the top 10, who better than someone on a bit of a skid, hasn't fought in a year like Gustafson, but still a big name. A guy fought for the title multiple times, add to your resume.
1: That's what I was going to say. It is still a big name and a guy that has a pretty solid fan base too. So for Craig, Mm. you can't go wrong here.
0: Yeah. Following that, UFC 266 we got two pretty big ones here. I'm going to start with one that you're going to be pretty happy about. <laughs> Tatiana Suarez is she's back. back.
1: Let's
0: go. Back and 10 pounds heavier. She's moving yes. up to women's flyweight in her debut bout. It's great. <laughs> Roxanne Modafferi, The happy warrior. <laughs> so, <laughs> Roxanne deserves some respect. You know, she's a good fighter. She's yeah. made it. She's somehow made she's made a career where really when you when you watch her in the cage and you look at her skill set, you go, How has this woman lasted this long? But then right. she'll but then she'll pull a rabbit out of the hat like she did with Macy Barber and you go, Oh, that's that's hell. why. <laughs> because somehow it's just like she turns it on just randomly. Yeah. But you know, you like you sit there and look at her and you go, This looks like a girl who would just get beat up. And and Invicta or something, like someone who wouldn't last very long in the pros. Her biggest
1: strength is her pure experience, man. Yeah. I stand to it by this. Now
0: she's going up against Tatiana Suarez. Mm. Dom, Mm, mm, it's mm. a bit of a mismatch, ain't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I said it last year. (coughs) One of our first special episodes we did, I said, you know, this time next year Tatiana Suarez – be the champion. Little did I know she'd have a broken freaking neck um, <laughs> as Kurt Angle would say. She literally I, didn't
0: fight <laughs> Yeah. Next so, year.
1: Man, first and foremost, I just hope she's healthy because I think this is an interesting move, her going up to 125. She is relatively large, but <clears throat> not too large to where she gets hindered too much at 115. But I like that she's going to test the waters a little bit here. And it's a top rank. It's a ranked opponent, a true veteran that's been in there with so many great names it is a good test for her to see, okay, does Tatiana still have it? And should she come in and just dominate a potential fight down the line, two or three fights, fights from then between her and Valentina is quite intriguing. So I love the move for her at 125, and I do hope we still see her back at 115 as well, her natural weight class. But I'm excited for this one. Stylistically, You know, we know that she's essentially the female Habib is what people call her. She's a great wrestler, a great grappler. Roxanne, known for her grappling, not so good on the feet. So I'm very interested to see how this fight will play out.
0: Yeah, I don't want to count out Roxanne, but, like, I don't know what to say, man. For Roxanne, like, I feel like I'm always going to count her out going into a fight. Just she she wins a lot of fights she shouldn't win, you know, on paper. Right. Um, but a lot of that's her IQ and just her experience, which I don't want to count out in this matchup because she does have a huge – experience advantage over Tatiana. I just don't think it's enough. Tatiana is just the younger, the stronger, the more athletic. Um, Anything, really, she's better at than Roxanne, and it should be a good debut for her, but uh, who knows? Maybe she'll come back, and the ring rust will be on, and maybe she'll be tentative, and Roxanne will be able to do enough to get a win, and that'd be huge for her. Yeah, very but, true. <clears throat> so in that way, it is interesting. But um, continuing on on the same card, this is the fight that I'm a little more excited about because someone else is back. And they ain't been out for two years. We're talking seven years. Long time. Nick Diaz, the brother of Nathan, is back. Ooh. Not quite confirmed yet, but it all signs seem to be pointing he will be in a co-main event slot at UFC 266, a rematch about 17 16, years, 17 years in the making, against ruthless Robbie Lawler. I love this fight. This is really the perfect matchup for both of these guys at this point in their careers. Could you say anything else about oh, that? I
1: mean, not at all. And the fact that they want to make it a co-main event <clears throat> is huge for both guys. It. it A lot of people that are like newer to the sport are going to probably be like, what the heck is this? This guy hasn't fought in seven years. Robbie Lawler's been losing a bunch of fights. But the hardcore fans are going to be in love with this one. It's such a great matchup. Two guys that just love violence. They're going to go out there and put on a show. Their first fight 17 years ago was nothing short of a spectacle. It was quite the crazy fight. And uh, I think it's going to be a war, man. It's fun to have Nick Diaz back and Nate being more active recently as well. The fact that weed's now legal for fighters in Vegas makes it even more intriguing for the Diaz brothers. We might be seeing these guys alternate fighting months at this point, but uh, I can't wait for that one, man. I know you're excited. That's the one you've been calling for since Nick Diaz was rumored to return, and it looks like you're going to get it, my friend. So,
0: yeah. yeah, I don't I don't even know what, to, what else to really say about it because there's so much unknown. Mm-hmm. About what what kind of Nick Diaz we're getting in a return, you know. I remember I threw it out the possibility of him and Jorge Masvidal way back when, but literally after sitting on that for like a day, I was like, "That is so one sided on paper." Just not because you're expecting Nick Diaz to come back after seven years, yeah. and fight at a top ten level. I'm sorry, I just I think he might need some time,
1: to- some yeah. time
0: to build up to that. You know, I'm not saying he can't still be that, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. He looks like he's in great shape, but um, Robbie Lawler has obviously not been fighting at the kind of level that we expect out of him right. in his last few performances. So I think a matchup here with Nick Diaz, it can bring the best out of one another. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe there'll be no losers in this fight, Dom. It,
1: it's the perfect storm, that's for sure. <laughs> uh,
0: following that one, we only got two more to talk about. Both of these in October. We start with October 2nd. Spooky season. A bit of a low-key low one here. Kyle Dawkins, a mm-hmm. uh, very interesting prospect, going up against Kevin Holland. Oh, his he's This fight fight's at middleweight, so Kevin Holland doubling down. yes, yep. picking the middleweight for now, even though I thought, I was hoping, the guy might drop down. But regardless, a good fight, I think, for him after really what's been a pretty disappointing 2021 for um, Kevin Holland. I think this is a good way to try to get a bounce back, it's but a good no slouch, back. no slouch in Kyle Dawkins. Still a, a 15 to 20 level uh top oh, yeah. fighter, but um still a b- appropriate step back, would you say?
1: Yeah, I mean, each Dawkins brother, you know, Chris at heavyweight now ranked number 10, I believe, and now Kyle getting a big <laughs> fight here against uh, Kevin Holland. Both Dawkins brothers from the contender series, too, making names for themselves, and I do love this matchup here for Holland to take a little bit of a step back, and for Dawkins to potentially get a huge name on his resume. Everybody tunes in to watch Kevin Holland when he fights. Uh, He has been working his wrestling much harder. He went out there to AKA with uh, Daniel Cormier. So I'll be curious to see. Maybe we get a little Kevin Holland 2.0. I know we say 2.0, we throw those around a little bit more (laughs) than we should sometimes, but if he can add some wrestling to his very good jujitsu and great striking, could be in for quite a treat with Kevin Holland and for Dawkins again a way for him to make a statement i'm excited for that
0: one no offense tom but if i have to hear fighter name 2.0 anymore on this podcast i'm I know. gonna freak out
1: i know we can get a new however
0: coverage. i however i do agree in a sense in this case because kevin holland you know he seems to be getting taken under the wing of some really good wrestlers guys like Daniel yeah. formier working with him and um That could do a lot for his career. I don't know how much he's training with these guys. Like, I don't know um, to what level. Like, I don't know how much we can expect the improvements to show. Right. Because that takes a long time to build up the kind of wrestling he's going to need to make, you know, much of a statement in this Mm -hmm. division. But hopefully we'll see something here that, you know, incites a little bit of confidence moving forward. Kevin Holland was one of the biggest beneficiaries of 2020 of kind of the the post pandemic UFC. However, 2021 has not been the same story. It's been um, even though really it's only the one fight. I mean, the fight yeah. with Derek Brunson where it was a bit embarrassing for him, his first main event. But then he follows that up with a really short notice late replacement fight with Marvin Vittori and it's just copy and paste. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he probably shouldn't have done that, but I get it. The guy just wanting to get back in there and make some money. Like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to say anything about it, but call it what it is. It's been a disappointing year for him. Yeah. A year that some people, a lot of people in January were maybe predicting this guy to be a champion. And now he's fighting outside the top 15. So yeah, uh, it's going to be a climb back, but I think he can do it for sure end of the month, October 30th. That would be Halloween. Correct?
1: I think so. Something like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> UFC 267 is this and this one should uh, interest you a little bit, Dom. Amanda Hebas. She's mad. He's been she's been dropping out of some fights with uh, Angela Hill over the past couple months and even I think she was supposed to be on a card this month, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um they decide to go their separate ways. Angela Hill's fighting Tisha Torres. Amanda Givas fighting Virna Doba on that pay-per-view card. I think this is a, a great fight. fight. It's a great yeah, it fight for both women. Mm-hmm. And my biggest question going into that fight, it's it, it reminds me so much of when Virna fought Mackenzie Dern. Yep. Where I was sitting there like, okay, whose jiu-jitsu is better But then, who's striking is better at the same time, and will either of these cancel out? You know, will someone's jujitsu be just a bit better, and they can have a three, you know, coast to a nice win by just purely having an advantage in that aspect, or is it going to cancel out, and we're going to see them fighting on the feet? Then that's really going to be a test because we know Vierna hung in there with Mackenzie Dern, who's also a war, man. You know, Mackenzie not a great striker in her own right, so not really. Not sure how much you can save for that one, but still a fun fight, yeah. slugfest. Amanda Hebas showed against a great striker that she couldn't quite take the power. So I'll be wondering, I guess, in this fight, I don't particularly, particularly predict Virna to have the power, the knockout power to put away Hebus, but you know, can, can Hebas withstand an onslaught if Virna decides to make it a firefight again? I mean, it it's a question worth asking, I think.
1: Yeah, I'll be very curious to see how this plays out. As we know, Hebus bested Dern on the feet, and we know MMA math doesn't work, but it's at least worth noting because you look at Hebus's last performance against Michelle Rodriguez, and Michelle just put on you know, uh, a performance. So I'm really looking forward to this. I'm glad that Hebus had some time off after that brutal knockout, hopefully even more time um, to heal from COVID and to, of course, better herself in the striking realm. She's still so young, one of the biggest prospects in female MMA. And Verna Janadoba, man, she's um, always in great fights. Another Brazilian jiu-jitsu ace. I can't wait for that one. It is a perfect fight for both ladies. I love it.
0: All right. I think that's going to wrap it up for our fight announcements. We spent 35 minutes talking about them. (laughs) I think we should spend the rest of this time in today's episode talking about UFC 264. I don't know what other fight we can start with besides the trilogy bout between Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. They do it a third time, folks, the second time this year. We saw the second fight in January where we talked about it on this podcast. If you want to go back and look at our thoughts leading up or yep. post-fight, um, Poirier made a statement. After mm-hmm. losing their first bout back in 2014, he came in, and after some you know, early back-and-forth, second round, Poirier, the calf kicks literally make McGregor's leg just dead yeah. and then he puts him away on the feet knocks out conor mcgregor crazy however if there's anything we know about conor mcgregor it's that when he loses he always wants that that one back you know yeah Nate he diaz, bounces back from losses too Nate diaz he bounced back in one Nerf fight and that one was six months later mm-hmm. never quite got a chance against Habib um or like i don't know floyd mayweather i don't know who else <laughs> but um now, against Dustin, he gets another shot six months later to avenge that loss. Mm. Um, I guess the question here because we put this one's for legacy, so I guess in a lot of ways, Dom, you know, who has more in your eyes to gain from this fight, and maybe who has more to lose here?
1: uh I mean, I think it's clear that McGregor uh, has more to lose. It's just because he is at the end of the day. Conor McGregor, he's the the million dollar man, you know, the guy that everybody's going to be tuning in and buying this pay-per-view for, for Conor McGregor. Uh, It's a spectacle come fight week when Conor McGregor comes to town. And for Dustin, because you got to think for both guys, you know, either one who wins and Dana's basically came out and already said this, the winner's going to get Oliveira and the title next. So for both guys, in terms of like, what's more important for the winner, they're both probably going to get the same thing, which is a title fight. And for Dustin, I feel like if he loses to Connor, it's like, well, he's getting the biggest payday of his life. He's in a huge pay per view in Vegas, a full stadium. And it's Connor McGregor at the end of the day. It's not like it's a bad loss. Um, and I know he's hungry. Connor seems very hungry. We talked about it on Wednesday what version of Connor are we going to see this week at the press conference tonight as we're recording? If you're watching this, the press conference has already happened. But And uh, Connor really seems to have flipped a switch. It seems like the old Connor is back, the trash talk, the locked in, lasered in focus. And uh, I posed this question to you off air and I'm going to do it on air too. Do you think Connor's doing this more so to attempt to try and get in the head of Dustin again, similar to how he did seven years ago? Or do you think he's doing this, that bad guy, quote unquote, look, to kind of get himself ready more so than get into Dustin's head? Because Dustin seems so, matured and out of that stage where maybe he won't get phased maybe he will but he'll just put on a poker face but connor's coming man it really does seem like the connor of old i'm curious to kind of get your take on that
0: before the nitty-gritty
1: of the fight itself i guess
0: yeah that's a good that's a good question dom it's uh it's really hard for me to to read into a lot of the fight promotion side you know i I try to be a big believer in all of it i love the Mm -hmm. Buy in to the guy, you know, the lead up to a fight, like the two guys just hate each other and um, all that. But we know that that's not always true. Yeah. Uh, Fight promotion does play a part where these guys do kind of stage some of, you know, I'm not saying this fight in particular, but it happens where um, some they they maybe lean in a little bit to some of the trash talk and maybe they'll shove each other at a press conference, but it's kind of a wink wink. Like we're just trying to boost up some of those pay per view buys. And in this case, is it? I I don't know. Um, you know, you saw the first fight. Connor, literally, point. It was over before they secret. ever stepped in the octagon. He got into Dustin's mm-hmm. head. That fight was over before they got into the octagon, and Connor made a statement. It really was kind of an embarrassing loss for Dustin. It's really been kind of the the one loss in early in his career that probably stuck with him the most. Yeah, they run it back a second time. You see nothing but respect. I mean, hmm. Dustin recognizing that Conor won the first fight, but that they both have came a long way and bounds. Yeah, And Conor recognizing that and saying that he was just – I mean, just a lot of I'm happy to be here, happy to be in this position I'm in. Uh, it's an honor to fight Dustin. And he got knocked out. And I'm not saying yeah. that's why he got knocked out. Uh, but regardless, it's obvious that not only – that loss but there's been a lot said since that second fight mm-hmm. that uh has changed things to where now we're back to where uh connor is doing a lot more it looks like trash talk kind of leading up here but i mean dustin dustin kind of threw the first shot uh, after that second yeah. fight with the the charity the donation stuff. stuff i mean that's that's definitely a big shot to take and you know, I'm not going to get into the the morality right. of all that situation, but uh, regardless, I think for Connor, I, I think for him it is real. Like, I I, I just don't I don't think he's doing this. I mean, I'm sure he recognizes that when he does this, when he says some of these things, when he puts out a little video of him saying,
1: him. <laughs> yeah. um,
0: "I'm sure he recognizes that it, it brings more eyes to the fight." Yeah more people to watch and buy it, and that's going to improve how much money he takes away from it. But I do think when you see him talking to Ariel Helwani and he's mm-hmm. – he's Ariel asked him about, what did you think about when Dustin's like pointing at you laughing when he hurts you with the shot? And he's like, well, we'll see who's laughing this time. And so, right. I think it is real. I do. Um, I, I don't think that there's anything fake about it. I think that Connor's pissed. Yeah. Not only because he lost – but I don't think he's really been happy with the way Dustin has sort of, you know, afterwards the donation stuff. Um, and then I think maybe he doesn't enjoy, I guarantee the competitor in him is not enjoying a lot of people saying, Well, if he loses this fight, is he done? Yeah. Is he retired? Is it as the game passed him by? Right. I'm sure that he wants to get in there and make a statement. He really Which does, does come off as
1: rejuvenated, motivated. You
0: know? And now you just brought up... A Here we go. Fight. I was wanting to segue okay. it. Okay. Uh, That's a great way to segue it. Um, because, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Does it seem that way? Yes. Does it seem like Connor McGregor seems a little more re-energized, re reinvigorated, like a brand new guy? Yes. But guess what? We've said this so many times with Conor. He, when he lost the Diaz fight and he came back for the second one. He looked remotivated, re-energized. Wins that. Beats Eddie Alvarez. Then he goes and loses to Floyd Mayweather. Mm-hmm. Loses to Habib. After the Habib fight, he comes back against Cowboy Cerrone. Looks like he's in the best shape of his life. Uh, goes in there and starches Cowboy in less than yeah. a minute. People say, he's back. Look at him. Look how great he looks. And then he loses to Dustin Poirier. Yeah. And in the lead into that fight, everybody said, Oh, this is the best camp of his life. Uh, this is a more motivated Conor McGregor. It, it, it almost like they forgot about the cowboy fight. They were just like, No, this is the camp that he yeah. was most interested in, that he was all in. Best shape of his life. Yeah. yeah. And then he loses. And then afterwards, you hear, Oh, he was training for Manny Pacquiao. Yeah. Um, he used a boxing yeah. stance. He had his family there a lot. He wasn't. Training as much as he should be. Well, okay. Well, I'm done hearing about it then, because it's obvious that they're just gonna anybody's gonna say anything to just make this fight more um, interesting or uh, to to really make us want to buy it for anybody who's maybe on the fence. Right. People are just you know Dana the the management, anybody in Dustin or Connor's camp, they're all just gonna say whatever. So I'm done listening to it. I just want to see. I don't care. Connor talking trash this week and, like, looking more like maybe, you know, talking more like a golden age or whatever, vintage Conor McGregor, whatever you want to call it. I don't care. I don't think it really matters. In the cage, show it. Let's see if he's made enough improvements in six months because that is a tall task.
1: Yes, it is.
0: To be be able to come back from – I mean, I'm not saying that he has to necessarily have a solution – for everything that went wrong in that second fight because he did some good things. You know, he hurt Dustin in the first round multiple times. Multiple times, yeah. Won the first round. It was just those calf kicks really accumulated. He wasn't able to check them. And then ultimately, we also saw that Dustin's power could hurt Conor McGregor too. And, you know, when you lost that mobility, he just couldn't get out of the way of those shots. I'm not saying he has to have necessarily a plan for all those in order to win. He can win. By doing what he did in the last fight, the problem is I need I need to see something. I need to see something that in this fight, like are we is he, are we going to go in there? Is he going to have a different stance? Is he going to move a little different? Is he going to check those kicks? These are all. This is what I care about, right? I don't like to me all this, all the trash talking, all is all smoke and mirrors at the end of the day. Like I'm done hearing about Conor McGregor is back and the best version of himself we've ever seen he might be I don't want to say it's not true but it comes off like the boy who cried wolf after you've done this so many times right like the fourth or fifth time that I'm hearing we're seeing the best Conor McGregor ever and maybe one or two of those times has it actually been a really good performance and it just hinders
1: what Dustin did I mean you have to give credit where it's due Dustin Mm -hmm. went in there implemented a game plan Withstood the tough shots, landed the calf kicks, uh, utilized his wrestling in the first round, and then got the knockout. And it's not like Dustin's going to come in here with the exact same game plan that he had six months ago. It's true, it's, it's going to be completely different, Dustin, as I'm sure we're going to see that original karate style stance of Connor. I don't think it's going to be the boxing heavy stance of Connor. All the X's and O's from fight number two are seemingly out the window, in my opinion. Will the adjustments be made from Connor? Yes. But Dustin's going to make adjustments, too, because he knows he got hit in that fight. He got hit really hard in that fight. He admitted he was literally a flash KO out on his feet for a second in that fight. So to even admit that says a lot about where Dustin's mindset is coming into this. And uh, he seems to believe Connor's just as motivated as ever. All signs are pointing toward an incredible third fight here, the rubber match. And, you know, fight one ends by KO for Connor. Fight two ends by KO for Dustin. Here we are, fight number three, UFC 264, and my God, I can only hope it goes as a five-round war similar to the uh, Miocic and Cormier trilogy did, man. That would be, like, the true, you know, hats off for this trilogy, man. It's going to be historical no matter what happens. A title fight next for the winner. It's just – there's so many storylines going into this. I can't wait.
0: So my so my question for you, I guess, to kind of – as we're sort of wrapping up talk to this fight – not to put you on the spot here, but when it comes to the X's and O's, you know, you just said you kind of have to throw out a lot of that second fight. What does Dustin and then vice versa, Connor have to do in this fight to win in your best estimation?
1: You know what I would like to see more of off the rip for Dustin is the wrestling, the grappling, the clinch. He said in that fight, first fight, how much stronger he felt in there as compared to Connor And we saw that the takedown did get landed within like 20 seconds of the first round. Granted, Connor got back up to the fence. It's not like he was on his back against Habib or anything. But Dustin not only got the takedown early, but the threat was then there for the remainder of the fight. He just chose not to shoot in because the calf kick began to work. But if he can do that again in this second fight where he can implement the grappling early, present the threat, and then potentially chase after it more than he did in the first fight, that could be a path to victory for him potentially. He even said in his interview, I think with Biz being, I saw where uh, he is, you know, playing this fight in his head all the time. Fighters seem to do that a lot. He really thinks that he's going to be able to submit Connor in this one. Um, so we'll see. Obviously, if you're going to submit someone, you're probably going to need to do some grappling. And for Connor, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, obviously, you want to say, "Oh, well, you got to check the calf kick." I don't think Dustin's going to come out and just check like come out and just automatically start kicking Connor's calf again. I don't think it's that simple, but yeah, I think for Connor, you know what he did really good in the bounce back fight against Diaz. He implemented his own leg kicks against Diaz that were very Mm -hmm. successful in that rematch. Uh, And Dustin has even said in the lead up, I'm looking for him to kick my calf, not so much for me to kick his. So for Connor, obviously be prepared to check the kicks. If they come, maybe throw your own leg kicks. And I'd like to just see kind of the, more traditional stance that we're so used to seeing from Connor, that quick, precise movement. So light on his feet rather than that boxing stance. Cause we saw the shots that landed with the boxing stance. They were still very hard, but if it's the normal Connor stance, you never know what he can do with that. We've seen him one punch KO many of people before, including Dustin Poirier.
0: That is true. And I I do think that's a great way to kind of predict this fight based off what you're saying right there. Um, I don't buy in to the narrative that if you break down this fight over the course of five rounds, that Conor wins this fight in the first or second, and then really after like the halfway point in the second, all of a sudden it's Dustin Poirier's fight. Mm-hmm. I completely disagree with that. Conor McGregor has proven that his cardio is not this like huge red flag on his arsenal. Yeah, he went five rounds with Nate Diaz. One of the rounds he won was the fourth round. Um, and then even in the Habib fight, I I thought considering the amount of wrestling defense he had to try to do in that fight, I didn't think his cardio was really... I mean, he was tired in round four. Don't get me wrong.
1: But the third round was his best round.
0: The third round was his best round. And considering how much he had to sprawl in that fight and you know, Habib just bringing that pressure, I thought he held up decently well considering how much flack his cardio gets. Now, we know that Dustin can really turn things on in the later rounds against Dan Hooker. Really, those championship rounds are why he won that fight. Yeah, He was getting hurt pretty early on, and then over the course of the round really came back in a big way. Um, Here, I I don't necessarily know who's going to win what round. I just think for five rounds, both these guys are dangerous. Both these guys carry their power late. They both carry that IQ late in the fights. Um, and I, I really think that either, man, I think this fight's just as eve Really, the the second fight I was pretty clearly, like, I thought Conor McGregor was going to win. Mm-hmm. Here I look at this fight like 50-50. Just because Dustin won six months ago, I don't put any – and I, I don't think Dustin would expect anybody to think differently. I mean, I right. this fight to me is dead even. It's, it's a fit, toss them, it's a pick him, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Um, I could see these guys implementing a lot of different strategies. I think your point about Dustin with his grappling is good. But I think even Connor has proven when he gets clinched up like against Nate Diaz, he can be a very effective fighter in the clinch. Yeah. I know I don't necessarily think he would want to keep it there against Dustin, but I'm just saying that if he keeps it there, he's out of kicking range and stuff right. like that. There is benefits maybe for him, but um the traditional, the more traditional uh karate stance that Connor used to have was definitely a um, something that would probably if we saw it might make us more confident in his abilities but if he comes out in that boxing stance you just have to know where your weaknesses lie since right. he's done it before. I, I'm not sure if that's the stance he's going to come out in but if it is you know he's going to be more flat footed which means he's like more vulnerable to leg kicks so he has to know that himself. He has to know where his limitations lie yeah. and try to hide himself from being from being exposed to those
1: Yeah, I mean, it really is. I've never, I mean, we've we've done a lot of fight breakdowns, a lot of fight previews in less than a year on this podcast. But truthfully, man, like coming into this one, in terms of the pay-per-views we've broken down, this is one of the most 50-50 main events that we've discussed, man. And it's the trilogy. What better way to have a 50-50? Oh, I don't know who's going to win. Then between these two guys, something special is going to happen on Saturday night.
0: Agreed. Let's get into our co-main event. Yes, sir. Uh, we're going to see Gilbert Burns and Stephen Thompson go at it at welterweight. And- Wish it was five <laughs> rounds. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess going in here, it feels like a one-sided title eliminator. Yeah, that it does. If, uh, if Stephen Thompson gets a win here, he might have just secured himself a shot at Kamaru Usman's welterweight title. You would For like Gilbert- to think. For Gilbert Burns, probably not. But – This fight is, uh, to me, what sticks out about this fight is the speed of both guys. Mm -hmm. These are two of the fastest welterweights in the entire division.
1: And in different ways, you Mm -hmm. know, at the same time.
0: So true. Gilberts is more of, I would say, kind of... He's explosive. Explosive. His speed around the octagon is Mm -hmm. really, I mean, that's his ability to change levels at such a fast pace. For Stephen Thompson, it is the hand speed. It's yeah. the way he moves in and out, the Getting way he out, gets out of babes. the way of shots. Yep. Um, he evades. He's able to just slightly get – just barely miss those punches and stuff yeah. like that. Um, truly a a uh, commercial artist in that way. Yes. Um, however, in this matchup, Dom, you got two guys with different styles, different points of attack. Mm-hmm. Wonderboy – we know what a puzzle he is on the feet, and he likes for people to really try to, to solve that puzzle because it just it leads to them kind of watching him over the course of the fight, yeah. and following his lead rather than trying to pick a point of attack. Yeah. For Gilbert Burns, we know his jiu-jitsu is spectacular. If he can get to the fight to the ground, you know he's going to want to do that. <clears throat> However, easier said than done. But he also has a mo- probably the most complete skill set of maybe the whole entire top 10 at welterweight i mean he might be the most yeah. complete fighter True. but i mean we saw him nearly finish the champion usman in like the first minute of their fight that was crazy <laughs> which i think a lot of people overlooked that because he kamaru made the, yeah. the was able to recover make some uh adjustments and come back and finish burns in the third round but i think what was most obvious in that fight what we got exposed about gilbert burns is he can get a little crazy in the octagon. Yeah. He kind of loses his head a little bit when something like that happens that goes his way. He can get a little out of control. And sometimes he can it can work out for him, and the flurry will maybe put someone out. But then sometimes when you have someone like Kamaru Usman, who's champion, top-level fighter, top-level IQ, didn't work out so much for him. Yeah. So what should, what should we expect here?
1: Well, I was about to ask you a question, but I'll no, go ahead. No, you,
0: if you want to ask me, that's fine. I don't, I,
1: well, I'm just thinking, you know, for Burns, you would like to think, well, maybe he should probably look to get this to the ground, right? I mean, he's going to have the jiu-jitsu advantage and overall grappling, but Wonderboy has pretty solid takedown defense. I mean, you saw him in there for 10 rounds with Woodley, and it's not like he got taken down at will. And ever since then, really, he doesn't get taken down because he controls the fight so well, as you mentioned, with his distance and the range, with his kicks and his long jabs. So for Burns, I would like to think yeah, I mean, I mean, close the gap, close the distance, dirty boxing range, get out of the kicking range of Wonderboy Thompson. Do you think Noah that Burns can get this to the ground or at least enough to where he could pull out a victory or does Wonderboy's range and takedown defense allow him to just keep the distance, pick his shots
0: and get the victory? I have a hard time seeing Gilbert Burns getting this fight to the ground. Uh, I, I truthfully see this as three rounds on the feet. Yeah, I do. And I, I still don't think that means that Gilbert Burns is going to lose. I think mm. he's explosive enough and talented enough yeah. on the feet to, de- to dam- to definitely put some damage and some hurting on Steven Thompson and maybe even knock him out. We've it's, seen that happen to Wonderboy. So we've seen both of these guys get yeah. knocked out before it's, It's just uh, the way it is. But I really don't think Gilbert Burns is going to – I don't think he's going to depend on the takedown to win this fight. So, therefore, I don't think he's going to try it so much. Like, I don't think he's going to try to force it. Like, if he did, maybe eventually he would get Thompson to the ground. But by that point, how much energy have you exerted? How how much do you have left to really do any damage on the top, whatever? I don't think he's going to look to do that. I think he's going to really – I think he's going to really try to mix it up with the, the – he has a really nice speed-power combination yeah. to where I think he's going to try to put out Thompson on the feet. I, I think know, he's going to have, think, have
1: Wonderboy on his back foot a lot.
0: Yeah, Wonderboy's I mean, going to
1: do a lot of evading.
0: And we know that there's no better fighter in that position yeah, exactly. than Steven Thompson. And the puzzle he is, you would think – it considering we're guessing that this fight might be three rounds on the feet, you lean towards wonder boy, Yeah, but we just know how fast and explosive Gilbert Burns is that, and is still very talented on the feet that he could definitely land the shot that ends this fight. I just think if this fight goes to a decision, I'm leaning Thompson a lot more, but if yeah. it's a fight that's finished, I really think Burns might have a better chance of finishing this fight. Even though Burns is chin, isn't great. It hasn't held up the best over his career. I don't really think I see Thompson putting him out. Um, i not saying he can't, but I don't really see that. I just yeah. think uh, if this fight gets stopped, I think it's Gilbert Burns landing that shot that just puts out Wonder Boy cold.
1: Yeah, I mean this is another one really that truthfully is a toss-up in my opinion. It's such mm-hmm. a close fight. And, you know, as we say here on the headline, if you're watching, one last ride for Wonder Boy, because you gotta think, well, if Steven Thompson loses this, and we talked about this on Wednesday as well, if you didn't listen, but if he loses, he's in an odd spot, right? Because he's top he's number four right now. He's already had fought for the title twice before. Should he win here, you'd think, Oh, he's a lock to fight Kamaru next because he's the only guy in the top five that hasn't fought the damn guy. <laughs> but if he loses it is an interesting spot to where does he continue fighting and welcoming in these top 10 guys, or is it the one last ride? And for Burns, yeah, should he come out and look great and put on a great performance? He's not going to get another title fight, but it still allows him to solidify himself as you know the number one, number two guy in the world. It's a very big fight for both guys, again, for two opposite reasons. We have these fights all the time that we talk about. This one's no different.
0: Well, also for Gilbert, he was pretty quickly – rose to prominence that went yeah. to weight, got that yeah. title shot. Should have had it sooner than he got it just because, you know, he had COVID. COVID. He was supposed to be 251, but uh, because of that it didn't happen until 258, he doesn't want to get into a skid already. Right. You know, a loss here, that'd be two in a row for him. Um, that That's where you don't want to see because he he kind of fizzled out as a lightweight. Yeah. You know, he got knocked out by guys like Dan Hooker, who we know Dan Hooker's very talented, but um, that was sort of what happened to him there. That's why he moved up because probably for one, he was tired of cutting all that weight. Yeah, But two, he he sort of fizzled out at that weight class. Another loss here, and you're going to wonder, is he kind of doomed to maybe fall into the same fate as a welterweight? You know, it happens to guys. Guys that look unbeatable or look fantastic, They get that title shot, they lose, and it's like, all right, I lost a lot of my motivation, or Mm -hmm. um, I lost something, and now I'm just, you know, I'm good, or I'm I'm a good fighter, but I'm not great anymore, you know. Right. But I I, I don't really see that for him. If you look at the interviews he's done this week, he does seem very reflective on that title fight. He seems to understand what went wrong for him, and I think you might see him be very patient here, Mm -hmm. which would be very interesting because. Wonder Boy is all so patient. About it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which might lead to not the most exciting fight in the world. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it, anyways. It's two guys that are just so well liked in the community. Mm. Um, great. They just seem like great individuals. Um, one of those fights you don't want to see anybody lose. But for Wonder Boy, more at stake here because if he loses this, I really think that chance of a third title shot in his career is gone. Shut it. Shut that door closed. Yeah. Now, uh, the last kind of headline here, a little lower on the main card, Sugar Sean O'Malley. With he's back. Um, and under a cloudy. <laughs>
1: yeah. a bit what of a an interesting season. lead up to this fight, huh?
0: So let's start with his originally scheduled opponent is not who he's fighting. Yeah, true. Um, he was originally scheduled to fight Luis Smolka. Smoke is out of that fight. So Chris Moutinho, and you might say who? Well, well he's making his too. UFC. <laughs> he's making his UFC debut. He's nine and four as a professional in MMA fighter. Yeah. Um, he makes his debut here. Gets a huge chance to lead a main card and going up against such a huge prospect in Sean O'Malley. We obviously don't know much about Moutinho. He's brand new here, right? However. What are your thoughts? A lot of people, and I said this on Wednesday, I am annoyed that people were so annoyed with Sean O'Malley here. Yeah. I understand if you were upset with the Luis Smolka fight announcement, I was a little taken aback as well. Yeah. I thought for sure he was about ready to pop back in the top 15, or at least, you know, Luis Smolka is a More prominent name. Luis Smolka is not a bad fighter, but O'Malley, it just – to me, I didn't really, you know. Once he beat um, Almeida, Almeida, I felt like Smolka was just a lateral move, and it's like, why? Yeah. Are, why are you doing that? You should be going up. Yeah. Um. But then once that fight fell out, and I'm not judging him. I mean, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know if the UFC is just giving him, like, okay, here's the opponents that are available, and it's Smolka, and maybe two guys even worse, and he's like, well, I guess I'll fight. Right. A, we don't know. So I try to withhold, hold back any judgment. But then he gets replaced with Moutinho. And there was a lot of guys on Twitter calling for the fight, Ricky Simone, Brian Kelleher, Ray Borg, among them. Um, and then he gets placed with the guy who's never fought in UFC before. And yeah. a lot of people aren't happy about it. And I don't think that's fair to him because I don't know who was offered to him just because people said they wanted to fight on Twitter. This yeah. was proven With Ricky Simone, that just because Ricky says, Hey, I want to dance, and you know, he's trying to be funny, like, Hey, let's fight. Then it comes out, Well, he wanted to fight at 140 or 145 pounds, yeah, wasn't quite able to make it to 135. Well, that, that to me, that's like, Okay, well, why would you take that fight? You're you don't you have the leverage here as Sean O'Malley. You don't need to give in to what Ricky Simone wants to fight Yeah,
1: And you're already beginning your weight cut down to 135 and all that.
0: So who's to say that the UFC didn't have someone like Ray Borg or Brian Kelleher and either maybe they weren't as available as they acted or they weren't maybe money was an issue. Who knows? All I know is it was a late replacement. So I don't like, I'm not upset that Sean O'Malley, at Sean O'Malley for Chris Moutinho being put in the spot, or the UFC. I don't know. I mean, at the end of the
1: day, we still get to see Sugar Show, Sean O'Malley on the card, you know.
0: But we also know that a guy – I just want to give a second to say that for Chris Moutinho, we've seen other people that put in this kind of spot. A guy – I mean, this guy just quit his job to take this opportunity. Yeah. It almost feels like a Bruin, that kind of underdog spirit that Could we've, you imagine? we've seen time and time again. And I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. Imagine, wow, what a huge moment that would be! And I don't want to count that out or look past that. I mean, give this guy a chance. You know, he's it's fighting he's the main card. Yeah, I mean, it's one punch is all it takes. Yeah, but with that being said, this should be a showcase for Sean O'Malley on a Conor McGregor card. These guys have been compared to each other quite a bit early on in Sean's mm-hmm. career. And it seems only right that they would share a main card with one another. Yes. And for Sean O'Malley, you look at this has got to be like a showcase fight, correct?
1: Yeah. And truthfully too, for Sean, as much as I hate to say it is, is it almost a lose lose for him? Because unfortunately this is going to be the narrative. If he beats Mutino, it's going to be like, well, that's what he was supposed to do. They brought this guy in from the, Regionals. It's his UFC debut. But if he loses, obviously that's a huge hit to his name. So in that uh, instance, it sucks for Sean with that narrative. However, I do agree with you. It is set up to where this should be another showcase for the Sugar Show. I expect him to come out and look great. He looked amazing in that Almeida fight. Probably should have stopped the fight way sooner if he didn't try and go for that walk-off. But nevertheless, he put on a great three-round performance before getting the finish. And I think uh, he's going to look good again here, but for Chris, again, not enough credit. Like you said, he should be given credit, taking this fight on short notice. He's putting his name out there on a Conor McGregor pay-per-view against Sean O'Malley. He has nothing to lose and everything to gain.
0: Well, I was actually going to say this guy just quit his job. I mean, oh well. <laughs> who's to say he doesn't have anything to lose, you know? Sure. It's a huge, I get what you mean. Like in terms of the, of the fight itself, like, If he loses, what's it really mean? Doesn't really mean he lost much in the grand scheme of things for his career because he wasn't supposed to be in this spot at this point. But the guy seems committed to this opportunity. Yeah. I don't know. You know, just when I heard this story about him quitting his job, it just made me kind of like, oh man. Says something
1: about the mindset. Like this guy
0: is like, "Uh, this is my shot. You know, this is my opportunity. And he's committed to seeing it out. Yeah. And I'm not saying that means he's going to win, but um, I, I have a lot of respect for it. What I'm putting you on the spot now because every time we talk about it, you kind of refuse to acknowledge it. Okay. What are your thoughts on the fact that Moutinho got put in this position and the people, the outcry of people that are upset at Sean O'Malley, upset at the UFC, saying, why are you one of these people that go, why didn't they put Ricky Simone in here? Why didn't they put Ray Borg in here? Why didn't they put brian kelleher in here what are your thoughts
1: uh at the end of the day i'm war ricky everybody that has listened to this podcast for a long time knows that and you do too but uh, like you said he did you know tweet out that he wanted the fight and maybe it's just more so background info that we don't know but i was watching sean's media day and he said it seemed like ricky did want the fight, but he could only do 145 and yada 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 sean wanted to do 135 ufc wanted it um and at the end of the day the UFC just had to find someone right they had to find someone to put in there yes it sucks it's not a bigger name but at the same time when he was already it was more so and you kind of said it best I was more so upset at the fact that he was originally scheduled to fight Smoka in the first place because I thought I,
0: I agree there's
1: nowhere to go but up after the Almeida performance and there was already controversy quote-unquote not for me but for some in the Cheeto fight so it just seemed like after such a great showcase of his skills, he would go up. But instead they went with Smolka. That one upset me more than just, okay, let's keep Sean on the car because people want to see him. Hell, I want to see the guy fight. He's entertaining, good on the mic, and he's great in the octagon. And we got Chris Mutino. So I'm less upset about who the replacement was than just the original fight that got scheduled in the first place.
0: Well said. Finally got your statement on that. <laughs> I, knew had, I knew you had something to say. Let's get into the rest of this card because
1: this card that,
0: that was the tip of the iceberg. I mean, yeah, you know what's crazy is the further down you go on this card, the more stacked it gets. No kidding, you know, like sure, obviously, your main card are like your for the most part your top five biggest fights, and then it goes down from there. But the main card, like, okay, you have no title fight, but you have a Conor McGregor fight, so that's huge, and you go down, you're like, okay. Tui Vasa, Hardy's like whatever, Sean O'Malley's fighting the guy in his UFC debut or whatever. You got a potential number one contender fight between Aldana Kuniskaya. That's cool. But then when you go to the prelims and the early prelims, you realize how stacked mm. this card is. It, because, it's a fight night. I mean it. Well, I mean it's if anything, you have like there's like eight fights on this card that could either headline or co-main yeah. a fight night at least. Yeah, I mean that sure. says a lot about the quality of this card. And uh, I think we will keep it at the main card. We'll start with that heavyweight bout I just mentioned. Tied to Ibasa and Greg Hardy, Dom. Mm.
1: Good matchmaking.
0: It is good matchmaking. Two guys that are explosive. They're exciting. They're young prospects, if you will. I don't know how young Greg Hardy is anymore, but he's still a prospect in his own right. We know that the UFC's kind of been experimenting with him for the last few years, seeing how far he can go. Um, and it's had mixed results, but probably better than uh, it's been a lot better than CM Punk or anything like that. So I mean, true, it's, true. But uh, he's not anybody's real favorite fighter. I think that's uh,
1: yeah. But everybody clear. loves Tai Tui
0: Yeah, I love the shoey. <laughs> yes. He said, "You want to hear something gross?" This man said he wanted a shoey that fifty people spit in.
1: I am gonna vomit on camera. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I hope he does it again on Saturday. Super
1: in- entertaining fighter. One of the most active heavyweights, by the way, in the whole UFC. This guy is constantly fighting. He's only like 28 years old. Heavy hitter. He's got 12 wins. Ten of them are by KO. All ten of those are in the first round. This is a tough test for Greg Hardy, if I'm being honest, because Tui Vasa, man, all of Hardy's strengths, I feel like Tuivasa can match. You know what I'm saying? But for That's, Hardy, can he really keep the pace with Tui Because we've seen him go three rounds as well. Hardy, we've seen drain as the fight goes on. And I don't know if Hardy's going to come out and, like, implement any grappling, you know what I'm saying? And on the feed, it's just Tui Vasa's overall boxing and just power and quickness I think is better. I don't know. Great Hardy, of course, has the one-shot power, and we've seen Tui Vasa get stopped. I'm just saying it's a tough fight for him.
0: It is, but I would also argue that at heavyweight, I mean it- – yeah, it, it kind of goes out the window with yeah. these two guys. I don't really foresee this fight going to a decision. No. Um, well, don't you don't never scoff, know that? Don't scoff at that because uh, you're going to bring it up again, aren't you? God damn it, <laughs> Jorgen De Castro and Carlos Felipe—a fight that we said had no chance to go to a decision—felt like it went on for a damn hour. So because of that nothing's off the table, Dom. Yeah. Sorry, I had to bring it up again. I'm by the way, by the way, by the way, Carlos Felipe is biting Andre Arlovsky. I didn't put it on here because <laughs> 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 just oh. a, little, a, little, a little nod back yeah. to the fight announcements. But uh, Oh, Lord. All right. Tui Vasa Hardy. Hardy does – look, either of these guys can finish this fight in a round. I mean, that's yes. just – we know, though, that the longer a fight goes – both these guys aren't going to hold up very well, but I would side with Tui Vasa to go a little longer. Even though, weirdly enough, like what's looking like an outlier in Hardy's career, that fight with Volkov that he stepped in—it really is. He looked good. I know? think people he forget lost, it even happened. He lost every round. Yeah, but he looked—that's the best performance I've seen of Greg Hardy in his
1: career. Yeah, and he lost. I agree
0: I because agree. he went up against a very highly ranked heavyweight, and at the time, I looked at it as more of an indictment on Volkov, but then you look at how good Volkov's looked in some of his recent fights. I I don't know what that fight was. It's an outlier for both men. (laughs) Like The fact that Volkov let Greg Hardy, who was still so fresh in his UFC career, go the distance with him, and then Greg Hardy being able to kind of go tit for tat with Volkov for the, the whole fight and not gas out, neither of those have held up yeah, it's just a advantage. strange fight. Yeah, but uh, because of that, like I want to believe that Greg Hardy can has that in him. He's oh my God. He was a pro lever. Yeah, he's a great athlete, Yeah. defensive end. But you know, the, you had the in, the inhaler gate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just it's not been the cleanest of runs, Mister Hardy. Yeah. yeah. it's not been clean. But here. It's a big, it's a big fight for both guys because they're both prospects. Like I think it's very good matchmaking because they're yeah. both at relatively the same level, right outside the top fifteen, kind of. But they're both big enough names that whoever wins gets elevated. Yeah, I agree. For Hardy, this would be if he goes in there and let's say knocks out Tuivasa in a round. That would be the by far the biggest win of his career. Mm-hmm. For Tuivasa. You'd probably say the same. If he knocked out Hardy in around it'd probably be the biggest one of his career. Definitely up there. But either way, I'd see the winner of this as long as they win it in a decently good fashion, not a boring fight. I think you are looking at top 15 next for him. So there's a lot I at agree. stake for both guys because really who has a lot to lose here is Greg Hardy because yeah, we know he's, I believe uh, oh, what's his UFC record? It's like Oh three uh, three and one or something like that. Four it's, three and one no contest. Four three one no contest. So <laughs> because of that, it's it's you know, that's not bad. Like, don't get me wrong, he's he's over five hundred, but if a loss here, I think you're gonna stop seeing him in these high level situations. I mean, here he's a feature belt on a Conor McGregor card.
1: Yeah, every fight he's been in, it seems like has been yeah. that way.
0: And I just think you're with the loss here, you might stop seeing as yeah. much of that for him. Um, if Taitu Ivasa loses, there was that rumor a year ago that he was released from the company. Yeah. And then he came out that he had a fight and everything was okay. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what happened there. Now but he's on two I, that, was after, that was after he had dropped like three straight. Yeah. Now, now he's one two. So for him, it's just continuing to get back on track, um, kind of make up the ground he lost in that three fight skid. He's very close to doing that in my eyes.
1: Yeah.
0: A win here, I think he's knocking on the door top 15. I agree. Um also on the main card, like we said, potential number one contender fight in that women's flyweight division, Irene Aldana, Yannick. Oh excuse me. Banham weight. <laughs> um potential number one contender fight, I would say. Yeah. Um uh, especially if Aldana wins, but Kunitskaya kind of a dark horse in this division. Yeah, know, see, think I think that. it's more
1: of a number one, Kunitskaya wins, to be honest mm-hmm. with you, but nevertheless, I think it is an interesting fight. Yana uh, has looked good since coming down to 135. Her only loss at 135 was to Aspen Ladd. We know how good Aspen Ladd is, but she's on a two-fight win streak, and she looked really good in her last fight, man. Dominant on the ground, heavy ground and pound, and Look good on the feet. I just think she's a really good all-around fighter. She had some success in Invicta, was a former champion. And for Aldana, she's looking to bounce back, you know, after losing that five-round decision to Holly Holm, where Holly looked one of the best performances she's ever put on in her career. So looking to bounce back, I think it is a very evenly matched bout. Both women are pretty similar in terms of their skill sets as well. I think it's going to be a razor-close fight.
0: And then on the prelims, these are probably the two fights that me, you, most of the community is most excited for outside of our main and co-main event. Happening on the prelims, Nico Price, Michelle Pereira, fight Ryan them. Hall, <laughs> and Leah Tupiria. Can't wait for that. I mean, the, these two fights are literally, like, these two fights are fantastic. Yes. Yeah. For the Price-Pereira fight, what, what's not, what I'm going to be interested in is it's so expected that these two are just gonna go in there yeah. and go crazy war. and yeah. have a war. But you saw in Pereira's last fight, he was much more patient. Didn't he, he look did not, great against Chaos Williams? He did not throw caution to the wind. Yeah. he played a very reserved, good performance together. Yeah, he didn't do backflips that and I'm that's fun, it's really fun, but this is probably better draining. This is yeah. better for him, I think, in the long run. Um, if we see some of that against Nico Price, I think he could get a huge win over Nico there. But we also see Nico has some of the most susceptible power that comes out of nowhere when he's putting these compromised positions on his back and he starts hammer fisting Randy Brown's face, and all of uh, a sudden get Randy Brown's James you know, I mean, the guy's power is just it doesn't, it knows it doesn't, it doesn't know gravity. It doesn't. Yes. It's not limited <laughs> by gravity. The man knocks you out in any weird position anywhere in the octagon. And um, he is the type of guy that I think could try to bring that out of Pereira, be like, come on, let's have some fun. Let's go wild. Yeah. And Pereira, will he be able to be more composed and be like, nope, I'm going to fight my fight, clean. I cleaned up my act? That'd be a good question. Now for Hall to Peria, I think oh. we'll just talk about these kind of opens so. bundle them yeah. yeah so Hall tuperia oh, one man. of the most intriguing fights on the card because Ryan Hall, talked about enough Ryan Hall is the hardcore fans darling if you will a guy that we've wanted to see how far he can take this skill set for so long now just an extremely talented ground game specialist is a jiu-jitsu spectacular his imminari roles are fantastic Mm -hmm. the leg locks out of this world whatever you want to say but he has fought few and far between times since unfortunate the ultimate fighter he's 36 now still very talented still i believe undefeated in the ufc yeah but he goes up against a guy who's undefeated in his entire career alia tuperia 24 years old Looks like one of the futures of the sport, you know that complete, yeah. well-rounded skill set. Really he he reminds everywhere. me of a
1: of a featherweight Miguel Baeza, is what he reminds Ooh, me of. Truth,
0: interesting, interesting. One of these
1: guys that uh, obviously Baeza no longer undefeated, but mm-hmm. before that Ponzinibbio fight was, and Tuperia undefeated. He's as well-rounded as it comes. Great on the ground, great on the feet. Only twenty-four <laughs> years old. This is a very large leap. Now you're probably thinking, well, no, it's not. Ryan Hall's not ranked. Well. Ryan Hall's not ranked because he hasn't fought in two years. If he was ranked, this guy's a top-10 talent, nearly a top-5
0: He was ranked not too long ago, too. So he just recently fell out of the rankings.
1: So the UFC making this fight for Tuperia says a lot to me in terms of what they Mm -hmm. believe for this kid. And for Ryan Hall, it is a good fight for him to take against a surging prospect where he could potentially shut down the hype and get his name right back into the mix because he's truthfully the biggest dark horse at 145 pounds right now.
0: Um, also, just want to give quick shout outs to some other guys on the card. Uh, Carlos Condit is the headliner of the prelims against Max Griffin. I'm come really out. excited for that one. Max Griffin's the one who had that really nice win over Song Kanan, right? Yes,
1: yes. Okay.
0: So, uh, big fight there. Honestly, Griffin probably, I don't know if he's the favorite in that fight, but he probably should be. So, if the if Condit can get another win, that'd be huge for him as he's been trying to come back to relevance, you know? Yeah. Um, also want to mention Dricus, Duplessis, and Trevin Giles. That's, the that's a prospect fight, in my opinion. A lot of people look at Hall Tuperia as that. I think Hall might just be a bit too old at this point to be considered a prospect. Yeah, we know but how like Duplessis and Giles, oh, that's yeah. a prospect fight. The winner of that fight, I think, has a great chance to say, I'm ready for top 15. Yeah. And even if not, I just think their ceiling is just so high for both guys that the winner just – comes out looking even better. Yeah. Um, and I guess I'll let you talk about Jennifer Maya, Jessica I. I know you wanted to mention that fight on the early prelims.
1: <laughs> I can't believe it. You know, Jennifer Maya goes from fighting for a title in her last fight, and then Jessica is coming off a main event. Now they're on the early prelims. But nevertheless, I'm looking forward to it, just to see kind of which woman can bounce back better, you know, get back into the mix in that top four, top three of the flyweight division. It's just a good fight to have on the early prelims. I'll put it that way.
0: Yeah, well, Jessica I did fight on the last Connor-Dustin card. She lost yeah. to Joanne Calderwood. Yeah, so Good
1: fight, too, that one.
0: It was a good fight. But um, all of these fights are fantastic. We could have talked about any of these. Yeah, no, every one but, of them, yeah. Did you have any final thoughts before we wrap <sighs> this thing up?
1: My brother, it's just time to soak it all in now and watch.
0: I know. That's all I want to do now. I'm done talking. I just want to mm-hmm. watch it now. Wow. But uh as you guys can see, this card is fantastic. Please check out some of these fights happening, you know, early on in the night. It's uh there's a lot of talented individuals on this card. A lot of people that are gonna be looking to make statement wins. And they're and gonna they're get really more th-
1: shine than they ever would before.
0: You yeah, know, it's a I huge this, deal for the think, young ones. I think this card is gonna have a lot of big takeaways. Yes. which makes me excited for Monday's episode. You guys can check that out uh coming up. It'll be another MMA weekend recap. Obviously, we'll be talking all about the fallout from this pay-per-view card and anything else that really happens between now and then. Don't expect too much fight announcements. We had a huge dump put on us this week. We had to get them all out. (laughs) Um, And then, obviously, we'll follow that. with uh, We won't won't do a Wednesday episode, correct? Correct. Um, But then Friday, we'll have another MMA weekend preview. So two-episode week next week. But a lot going on, a lot of exciting things in the, in the, the pot, so uh, just buckle up. But until then, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. You can
1: find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at DCL14. And more importantly, follow us, interact with us, engage, comment, all the fun stuff on Twitter, Instagram. Our podcast can be found at B-A-J underscore M-M-A podcast.
0: And for me, if you go to my Instagram or Twitter at ntbaker underscore, there is a link in my bio for our link tree, which has all the platforms that our podcast on, along with the social media platforms. So you can find our Spotify, our YouTube channel, um, Apple, Google Podcasts. There's a couple for our anchor page. Uh, if you want to leave a voice message, we'll ask us a question, we'll include it in our Reddit roundtables that we do on Wednesdays, or if you have thoughts on upcoming fights or news stories, we'll include them in episodes like we did today. Mm. We didn't have any today, but um, (laughs) you could have, you could have been featured today. Yes. You guys Uh, all missed out, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, just, or if you just want to say hi or tell us that we suck. Sure. That's fine too. Anything to improve the spirits, you know? Yes. (laughs) But uh, again, you can find all of that if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at N.T. Baker underscore, but that's it, Tom. We're out, and we'll see you all on Monday.